Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Pundits show. I am Zach Mikosh. You are listening to Nothing But Net Radio, part of the Dash Radio Network. Uh, we are, of course, also at denverstiffs.com. Check us out on Twitter at denverstiffs, at MBN Radio, and then over on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs, and on Facebook. Give us a follow, give us a like. All right. Let's, uh, let's bust into the hosts right after the social media. Get the business done first things uh i have got all the way out in south carolina he's up early and would rather be sleeping it's mr ryan blackburn ryan what's up you know i've just finished up finals it's been great thank god didn't fail anything but it's it's been a it's been a wild ride and i've, I've tried to get onto the pickaxe pundit show the last couple of weeks and it just hasn't worked out so thank you zach for having me on oh yeah absolutely man i uh, school is important we know we know uh how much that that means so i try not to i try not to be the reason you fail out of college i guess is basically where i'm going he's just he's just <laughs> um, just part of the reason it's okay he's just part of the right right i just don't want to be the whole reason i will only share some of the blame also yeah, with us you and adam can split a 50 50 there you go there you go well let's make it adam 60 me 40 how about that <laughs> Um, also with us and not taking any more finals is Mr. Daniel Lewis down in Littleton. Daniel, what's up? Not a whole lot. And I also, is 11 o'clock really that early on a Saturday morning for Ryan? Ryan no, wants, no. Ryan once no. overslept a 2 p.m. Uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. We never let it. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. He's never going to let that down. <laughs> I will never live that down. You will not. You will not. But I just think it's funny because it reminds me of when I was in college and I would, yeah, sometimes, I mean, you, just, you stay up late, you get stuff done and then you, you know, you wake up whenever. Like when I was in college, I, it was, it was like policy to not have a class unless there was no other time slot. But if there's like multiple time slots for a class, I would not schedule it before 11 a.m. Because I just knew I was like, eh, there's probably no chance I'm going to make that class if it's before 11 a.m. Well, not having electricity this year. <laughs> yeah no my advisor this year screwed me i've instead of having the normal setup where i was having the the only class that i have is at like 1005 now i've got a, a random 830 on a day where i finish up at seven o'clock at night so got like four and a half hours in the afternoon and then i've just got this random 830 on those days so it sucks it is what it is right yeah well i'm happy you're through it ryan i'm happy you uh you did okay on your finals. We are, of course, not an education advisor podcast. We are a Denver Nuggets podcast. So um, let's uh, let's talk about what we want to get into in the show. The Nuggets, of course, getting back from their road trip, second longest road trip they'll have of the year. Six games, they go two and four. Um, I want to get into that because I think I think there's a lot to talk about there, and I don't necessarily think it was all that bad, even though they ended up with a losing record um, on the trip. Then let's get into after that. Of course, they come home last night, play the game against the Pelicans, the big win, comeback win. 
uh, in the fourth quarter. It takes them overtime, but they get it done. I want to talk about Torrey Craig. Uh, I want to talk about some other guys who had, I thought, had some big games uh, and were clutch. And then, so yesterday was December 15th, which is uh, officially the, the start of trade season. And I had an article come out today throwing around a couple fake trades that I thought maybe the Nuggets should try and uh, try and pursue or maybe something that, that would help the team. Um, I want to talk about those, get these guys' opinions on them. Uh, and then finally, if we have some time, uh, the Nuggets are playing the Oklahoma City Thunder next. So we'll get a little preview of them. Um, if we can get to it, we almost we almost never do get to that last segment. So if you're just listening to to really really hear that in depth breakdown of the Oklahoma City Thunder, I'll just let you know you might be disappointed. Um, it is what it is. All right, guys. So let's get into it. Let's get into this road trip um, that the Nuggets came off of. So they, I mean, like I said, they go they go two and four, which is obviously a losing record, and you you never want to go have a losing record at anything. Um, but I think given the quality of the teams that they played, um, given given the length of the road trip, I wasn't all that surprised on the negative side anyways. I was actually a little bit surprised they were able to get two wins after they started off a little bit slow. But again, I mean, it is a losing road trip. So Ryan, I'll ask you first, what is the biggest negative you took away uh, from this, this six-game swing? Uh, I'd, I'd say that there are probably two. Uh, the first one is definitely how they came out to start on that road trip. Uh, without Nikola Jokic, they basically right. folded in those first couple of games. Uh, the Dallas game really comes to mind. That one was just an ugly fest. Uh, the other one was Juancho Hernan Gomez, who just does not look right. He he looks like he's physically just not healthy and not ready to play, and it's unfortunate because of the mono, but uh, he was one of the guys that I was really projecting to come in, step into like a 20-minute-per-game role, and they're, they're fortunate that another guy that I'm sure that we'll talk about uh, Trey Lyles, who has broken out, but uh, Wancho was definitely the guy that I, I was expecting to become the big uh, stretch for 40% three-point shooter and just the weapon that opposing defenses had to respect. And he clearly hasn't done that. Right. Right. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And I, and I agree with you too. He doesn't look right. The thing about mono is, is like, I mean, it's not like it's like a cut and dry. Like all of a sudden you say, you're like, Oh, okay. Now you're, you're over mono and and it's all done. Like, I mean, it's, it's a lengthy sickness um, that can, you know, that, that, that really can stick with you for, for more than just a a few weeks or even a few months. So um, I I agree. I don't, I don't know necessarily. I mean, of course the team's not going to tell us this and and they're going to say he's healthy because that's how the way they have him listed. Um, but I agree. I don't think he looks 100% um, ready to go. And the other thing about mono is it's one of those those sicknesses that really saps your strength um, and energy. And another thing that just doesn't come back right away. So while while maybe you know Wancho is technically um, you know healthy and, and not 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 really sick anymore, he's probably still got to take some time to kind of build back up his strength. Um, and his energy levels just to get fully past that. I also agree about that Dallas game. I thought, you know, when you looked at this uh, road trip before they went on it, I think the Dallas game was the one you looked at and you said, okay, that's the one that they definitely should be able to win. Dallas isn't a very good team. Um, the Nuggets are, are clearly more talented, even without Nikola Jokic. They should be able to get over on them. And then they came out and they just basically let those point guards uh, from Dallas do whatever they wanted. Um, and it and it would look, start looking downhill from there. And then after that, they got blown out by the Pelicans. Um, Demarcus Cousins, of course, has that huge forty twenty game. So I, I I would agree with that on those negatives. I think, of course, I, <laughs> the biggest negative I took away from it was the, uh, the ending of that Indiana game, um, and how they let that one slip away because that was when I thought that they 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 weren't supposed to win, but then they got themselves in a great position to win it. Uh, and let it get away from them. So that, and, and and had they got that, and everything else stays the same, even still get that loss to Dallas, then they end up three and three on this road trip, which I think everyone would have been ecstatic about. Um, so that was my biggest negative. Dan, what about you? I think the biggest negative is just that they had four losses. Um, the Western Conference has been pretty competitive, and um, I, I don't think they're going to have to worry about tiebreakers with Dallas for the playoffs. But it would ni- it would be right. nice to have you know an extra win to kind of not have to worry about that like seven, eight, nine range for the playoffs. But I, I think it was a really positive road trip because the team was able to, I mean, they, they, yeah, they did struggle at the beginning, but they, they were competitive on the road for the first time, I feel like, all season. Um, I mean, there were, there were a few blowouts, yeah, but, you know, that Indiana game, they Indiana's a good team, and they, they took them to overtime. They played really well against Boston. 
Um, they had the win against Detroit and Orlando. Um, and those were games where, like, a, a, a good team, like a slightly above 500 team, like the Nuggets currently are you know, on track to be this season, it looks like, uh, a good team will beat teams like Orlando and Detroit when they're struggling on the road. Um, and then they should... Right. They, they, they were able to come home too, and I know we're not talking about that, but you know sometimes that first game back home after a long road trip, teams just are like really exhausted and they they just blow it really bad. The Nuggets, right? You know, were able to defeat the Pelicans. Right. Yeah. No. And that's a good point too. And like I said, we'll get into that Pelicans game, but um, that was something that um, you know that, that quite a few people last night uh, at the Pepsi Center were bringing up. You know how difficult that first game back is. It's almost like the last game. Um, of a hard road trip and 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 you're right I mean I think the positives on that were you're exactly right I mean that that they they showed they compete they could compete on the road and and they showed life because they got off to such a bad start with those back-to-back losses um with 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 Dallas and New Orleans I remember saying after the New Orleans game that I thought that they wouldn't win another game on the road trip that they were going to go 0-6 uh, and then of course they come right back and beat Orlando, I think uh, making me look like an idiot. I think one of the other positives that we could draw from the road trip is just the improved play from Gary Harris. Um, I, I think yeah. it's a really interesting relationship between Jamal Murray and Gary Harris as well, because Jamal yeah. Murray has he, he has a lot of confidence, but he's not sure if he's. I feel like sometimes he's unsure about his responsibilities and what he should be doing, and I feel like with Gary Harris, he has a lot of confidence in his responsibility, knowing what he should be doing. But he's not as confident in his ability to go any further from that. And so it's kind of like they're little opposites. Um, but Gary Harris was able to step up and I think he's been able to learn some like offensive moves from Jamal Murray and um, you know, Gary and Jamal Murray's been able to, to see that defensive performance and how to compete on that end from Gary Harris. And uh, Gary, Gary Harris was just like unreal at sometimes on this road trip, just really Really playing some excellent Abs- basketball. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, I thought I thought I wouldn't even take it further. I thought the whole backcourt, well, with the starting backcourt, Emmanuel Moody, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, the starting back. Well, and also, and I'll throw Will Barton in there as well. Um, I thought I thought they all played really well and stepped up and showed. That might even be the biggest positive that I really take out of it is that the, the these those three guards showed that like while Jokic was out and obviously Paul Millsap is out. That granted, they 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 only went two and four, but they showed that those three guys um, can kind of be the leaders of the team, even with Jokic out there, and kind of be the engine that drives the team and, and gets them some wins, which they did against, you know, of course against Orlando. Uh, I was saying before the podcast that I wasn't going to pull up any uh, any of these box scores, and now I'm wishing I did because uh, I'm trying to remember who had the big night against Orlando. I think it might have been Moutier. I think Moutier was. Oh yeah, you're right. It was Moutier. Um You're right. He did have that one big game. Um, against Orlando, and then of course against uh, Detroit, um, it was probably I think it was Gary. It's, it's so hard to remember now, but I think it was Gary who had the big game that that night. Anyways, he Ryan, did, but Lyle, Lyles also was perfect. Lyles the Trey Lyles would definitely be my my biggest positive because as Wancho kind of uh, simmered down a little bit, just Lyles has completely broken out and shown that. His skills are not limited to just being a stretch forward. Like he is, he is a good stretch forward. Don't get me wrong, but he he has the ability to take guys off of the dribble, go into the post, and and has shown a complete offensive game in my opinion. Like I I broke it down on stat of the week uh, on Friday, and he has really really grown in what he's shown in Utah. Uh, I was I was really surprised. Like even even as a Trey Lyle supporter and somebody who you guys both know before the season was pretty high on him. Like he's outdone my expectations for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's um, Trey's uh, Trey's been a, a sort of a revelation here as of late. And you know, what I, I was I was on the radio earlier uh, this week talking over on um, on the Walsh and McBride show over there on Mile High Sports. And what I said about Trey Lyles is. It, is I think with him, it's just a matter of confidence and consistency because his rookie season was not that bad. He was he actually looked pretty good, looked like he was going to be a very solid NBA player, um, and he was getting pretty consistent minutes. Then last year, of course, yeah. the, the Jazz added a bunch of guys in the offseason and, and Trey didn't get consistent minutes, and suddenly he was, I mean, he was bad. He, he shot terrible from the three-point line uh, and ends up getting traded. And I think we saw that in the beginning of this season as well, sort of that similar thing where he would only get a spot minutes here and there, and he looked he didn't look very good. 
now that he's getting consistent minutes night in night out you know he's he's consistently putting up production uh, whether it's you know whether it was that game against Orlando uh, he had some some a nice game against against Boston last night again he had a big game he was huge in Indiana you know I mean it, it's one game after another it's where you're starting to think like yeah this guy is the guy who's going to have to be part of this rotation because he produces um Two and four, I guess. Dan, I'll go to you first. Bottom line, two and four. Are you okay with it? I know you, you wanted them to. You, you talked about how they the four losses hurts, but all things considered, um, is that kind of at least what you should have expected for that road trip? I mean, yeah, I'm fine with it. I, I think three and three would have obviously been well. Six and zero would have been the best. Three and three was just like. <laughs> most acceptable outcome and then two and fours it's just like that you know on the other side of you know i, I don't really know two and four is okay it's not the best it's not the greatest but it's fine it's whatever you know the nuggets were able to keep pace in in their division and that's really what's most important i think as well right yeah exactly they didn't lose any ground um in the standings they're still i, I believe they were the fifth seed when they went on the road trip they may have been the fourth seed. They may have been a game up on Minnesota, and now Minnesota's a game up on them. But they still they stuck right there um, with them the whole way. So I I agree that that's uh, that that's kind of the key when you have a six game road trip like this. Um, you, you, know, you inherently, unless you're one of the best teams in the NBA, you expect it to not go so well. Um, so as long as you can just kind of you know keep your head above water as the Nuggets did. Um, then it's fine, and that's and that's why I'm fine with it too. I I thought you know given how just terrible they've been on the road, uh, I thought those two wins were were really big. I thought both times when they got those wins, they were coming off of some adversity, whether it was the tough loss to Indiana, or whether it was you know just getting blown out by the Pelicans, and and they came back and they responded. And then I thought in that Boston loss was kind of a microcosm of the whole of the whole road trip where they kept uh, they kept getting behind and it kept looking like they might fold and then they came back each time and then they fought all the way to the end ended up losing that game just like they ended up having a losing record on the road trip but all in all i'm i mean i'm okay with it as well ryan what about you that's crazy we're talking about a 16 and 13 team right now that's the fifth seed in the west like this is this is a team that has has really they haven't necessarily separated themselves from the bottom group, but they're starting to by the looks right. of things. Like they they truly are like still just a game and a half above the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are the eighth seed, and, and right. just two games above uh, the Utah Jazz, who are the ninth seed. But they're starting to go on the on a home trip. They have a lot of opportunity to play teams that they should be vying for in the Western Conference playoff picture. So they they've really just set themselves up for an opportunity. Like like over this road trip, like you guys were saying, they're staying above water. They're trying to keep afloat. Now they're playing the teams that they're competing with. And if they can come out right. with some of those wins and not necessarily just lose every one of those games, then it really shows that they do belong, and it shows that, hey, they could actually gain some ground on the rest of those guys. Like, I know they played Minnesota twice, they play Oklahoma City once, they've already beat New Orleans, and they've won that season series against them, so if that comes down to it, then, hey, that's a huge deal. They play Portland. Right. They play a lot of these teams where they should be able to separate themselves, uh, or if they lose, they won't separate themselves, and they'll they'll stay back in that pack but this is just going to be a really huge indicator of where they're at as a team and especially with Jokic back I think they should be confident going into it yeah no I, I definitely agree and you, and you see that you start to see that we're starting to see the separation of, of essentially the top nine teams it's starting to look like you know uh, starting with the Clippers and then and basically all the California teams um, and then other than the Warriors of course and then and then the Grizzlies Suns and Mavericks you're starting to see those teams kind of basically just fall off now to where you've got this top nine um, that that looks like the the group that'll fight for the playoffs and then you've got the top two um, and the Rockets and the Warriors who are pulling away from everyone so you really are getting this 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 grouping between the Spurs uh, through the Jazz where everybody's kind of separated by by five games or less um, and and you're right they play all of those teams coming up so it's going to be they like we've been saying they, they put themselves in that position um, to now compete which is good. That's right where they want to be. Now they they got to continue. They got to they got to keep it up, and now they got to start winning these games against these these other playoff teams. 
Um, but at least that road trip didn't put them in a position where they're trying to make up ground against them. So let's 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 switch gears and let's get into uh, the first of these games and coming up against all these these top or, or upper tier uh, Western Conference teams, which was last night against the um, against the Pelicans. Dan, I'm going to go to you first, and I know this is the thing that everybody wants to talk about. Tory Craig, he so so here's here's the story on Tory. Um, he gets a call on. Thursday night, probably right around midnight. He said he was in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> he grabs an Uber, gets to the airport, and has to catch a flight by 4.30 in the morning. Uh, then gets to fly into Denver, gets to gets to Denver, goes basically goes immediately to shoot around, uh, then, gets, then gets a two-hour nap, comes back out, plays the game, stops Drew Holiday at the end of the fourth quarter, um, and granted, I mean, when you look at the stats, nothing about nothing about Tory Craig is gonna is gonna pop out at you. But but just just seeing him play, just seeing him get the start, and Coach said after after the game as well, he said, you know what, I did not I did not bring up Tory Craig to have him be uh, an, an emergency guy. I did not bring him up here to waste one of his forty five days at the NBA level just so he could sit on the bench. Like he wanted to see this kid play, and and he proved it by putting him in. Putting him on Drew Holiday in the most crucial moment of the game, um, and Tory Tory rewarded him with great defense. So Dan, I'm going to go to you. What do you think? What do you think about Tory Craig, man? Is I mean, not only his game last night, but also like where is his future now with this team? Is this a guy who's going to uh, be a a part of this rotation or a part of this roster for for a long time going forward? Uh, with with how good he was defensively last night, I I don't think there's any way that you cannot put him in part of the rotation. Um, I don't think he should be starting necessarily, but I, I definitely think that there are going to be a lot of matchups, especially over the next couple of games, where the Nuggets could really use his defense. Um, and if, even if it's just with spot minutes, with the starting unit, um, or if you know when they try to go small with Wilson Chandler at the four, um, I, I feel like Torrey Craig should definitely be getting like fifteen to twenty minutes a game. Right, right, yeah, no, and I, I mean, and yeah. so the tough part, of course. Uh, I would say the tough part is is figuring out how you do that with him being on this two way contract because of course he like he like I said he is limited uh, in the amount of days he can spend up at the NBA level, um, but I think you're right I think you have to uh, you have to you have to see what do you got in him because he's he's tearing up the G League um, and he showed last night that he can play in the NBA. Ryan, what about you, man? What were your thoughts on Tori? Uh, I was frankly surprised that he hit a shot like based off of the. Uh based off of the schedule that he had to uphold and and just being in that situation for the first time, being called as on as a starter, like it was really, really encouraging to actually just see him hit a shot. Like and I know how stupid that sounds for these guys who are uh, professional athletes and they are paid to do this for, for a living, but like hitting your first shot is a huge, huge deal and I think the first shot that he hit was a three, if I'm not mistaken. Uh I believe you're correct, right? But like that was that was a big big deal, and uh, I like Dan said. I don't think that he's going to be a starter. I I think that it would make the most sense for him to come off the bench and just be a just be a pest. Uh, I did really like that Barton Beasley Craig backcourt trio that they had. They yep. they were running that in the fourth quarter and it really really helped them and like even with Moutier out like they were still able to generate offense and I think the defensive quality at that point was a lot better than it would have been so uh, if you just cut out the if you just cut out the Demarcus Cousins threes at the same exact spot every single time but that's another conversation um, <laughs> so but like with with Craig like I I definitely think he's exactly what they need a six six guy somebody who can just go after it on defense he doesn't necessarily he doesn't necessarily have to play every game but he's somebody who will right. bring the defensive intensity and can hit shots he's he's not going to be a liability out there like an Andre Robertson type right yeah and, and that's key and and he's I think the good way to describe it, see the Nuggets need that that bulldog on the wing right that that guy who is just tough and gritty and is going to be in your face and, and applying pressure, um, especially if you've got the ball in your hands all the time. And that's his focus. Like they don't really have that guy 
um, so that they can put him out on, on whoever is the, the best wing player for the other team. Is Torrey Craig that guy right now? No. I mean, let's, let's, let's temper our expectations here, but he is still a G League player um, playing on a two-way contract. Yeah, he has, he's, like, he's played 18 minutes sure. in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, I think I think he might have played twenty. Didn't he get in one other game? Right. Oh yeah. That's that's. Uh, I, I just maybe. I just I will know. actually do. <laughs> against against the New Orleans <laughs> against the New Orleans Pelicans wings as well. Like. That yeah, right there you go, um, but um, you know he you know, like, will he develop into that guy? You know will he? De- I mean even a guy like Andre Roberson is um, is just such a such a. Uh, head and shoulders above where he's at right now. Will he become that guy? Maybe. I mean, he he could. You never want to count a guy out. He's got a long way to go. But even if he's just like Dan was saying, a guy who can come off the bench and give you some good minutes and and be a guy who can provide strong defense for the team, um, that could be huge for them. Especially considering they found this guy. You know, this guy is a is a guy they they got out of the Australian league. Uh, they signed. You know, based off of his summer league performance, like. You always want to root for those guys. You always want to root for those guys to make it um, because they do. I mean, everybody looks like a genius, right, for, for finding them. So um, Maybe this can be his Wancho uh, Hernangon is 0 for 5 against – or uh, Kevin Durant's 0 for 5 against Wancho Hernangon in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yes, yeah. that's right. May it live in infamy. Wancho <laughs> Well, a guy like, a, a guy like Patrick Kevin. Beverly – uh, Patrick Beverly was a guy who came over from a Russian league, I'm pretty sure. And he came over yeah. when he was 24 right. years old. He didn't really play that much. Uh, Torrey Craig's a little bit older than that, but it's not like he's, it's out of the question that he could have been just a guy who just wasn't identified at that point. And then when he started playing right. well, he came over and he then carves out a role as a defensive specialist. And then the rest of his game really just starts to blossom. So to me, a defensive specialist is exactly what the Nuggets need at the three right now. Like that's, that is oh, yeah. a huge, huge deal if they can throw out a lineup that features, like, I don't know, Murray Harris as as creators, and then uh, Tory Craig, Trey Lyles is another creator, and Nikola Jokic is another creator, and then you just have Tory Craig as a guy in there who just kind of binds it all together at, at maybe his right. peak. So he's not there yet, you guys, as you guys said, but he's somebody who, hey, there's an outside chance that he could get there. Right, no, there's yeah, there's definitely reason to be optimistic. There's no doubt about that. Um, so speaking of speaking of the defense, though, and, and I want to talk about this um, because I so I was writing the recap uh, last night, and in in for about four or three and a half quarters, I mean, I was just harping on the defense. Defense is terrible. Nobody's rotating. Nobody's closing out. Nothing's getting done. And then all of a sudden, they flip a switch there in that last six minutes of that game. Um, and suddenly become defensive stalwarts. And the guy who led the charge, uh, hands down, was Mason Plumley, who flat out, I mean, he must have denied DeMarcus Cousins at the rim like three or four times in a row. I think he only gets credit for two blocks. But there were a lot of times where, I mean, Cousins just, uh, just you had completely missed the shot. Or I even, I think Mace maybe didn't quite get credit for a block, or maybe they called it a, a, a turnover instead. But, I mean, the, the, it was funny because both Cousins and Plumley had five fouls. Um, so, so the the Pelicans were making a concerted effort to go at Plumlee um, with Cousins, and every single time, you know, credit credit to the refs. We were talking about they they were pretty uh, terrible throughout the night. Credit to them for that at least that last few minutes letting those guys play, um, and and Plumlee just flat out just flat out uh, shut Cousins down in the in the last minutes of that game. Got him frustrated, and it ends up being a huge win. Dan, what did you think about about Plumlee's D? Um, specifically in those last six minutes, and then and then is this something? I mean, should the Nuggets start expecting this more often that he can maybe actually be somewhat of a rim protector for them? Uh, no, I don't think they should expect Mason Plumlee <laughs> to be a, a rim protector for them throughout the season. I was trying to lead you to that hot take, Dan, but you just would not. Oh go my no, God. <laughs> but, uh, I I just feel I I do think that uh, I mean Mason obviously he played really well, um, but he's he's kind of a more physical plotter um, that, that's going to contest right. and try to just push you out of position. Like, you know, turning your five-foot hook shot into a six-and-a-half, seven-foot hook shot. And, you know, those things aren't, you know, as they don't show up on the box scores easily, you know, it's like as a block or a steal or, you know, a DP, you know, defensive metrics and for advanced stats. But I feel like there, there are some games where he, he just is 
has that savvy and he knows how to play and he's going to be able to help force misses. And uh, it he's he's definitely one of the players I feel like comes into the games most prepared, um, having you know really studied the scouting report and knowing what the other team wants to do and how to try to stop that. Right. And I I do think also that he is I think he's fully recovered from the abdominal injury that he had because right. uh, I think I think it was. Maybe it was against the Pelicans, but there was one game where he just looked like every time he got hit when he was trying to contest a shot down low, it looked like someone was just like jabbing an elbow right into his ribs, and he right. didn't have that same yeah. like o- overly pained expression on his face every time he got hit tonight. Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. But yeah, no, I mean, it's and it and it's a it's a definitely good observation. I mean, because he had that core strain, and a core strain is not. Uh, it, it strains you down to your core, I guess. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice reach there. <laughs> this is in-depth analysis you guys are getting right here. Um, but it, I mean, obviously, you can imagine how much that would affect everything you do. Um, so, so yeah, if he's if he's getting past that, or at least has got it to a point where he can manage it, um, game in, game out. Uh, then that that that's big, and 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 that's probably a big reason. I, I agree. That's probably a big reason as to why he was able to uh, perform better, or and we've seen some better play out of him as late. Ryan, what did you think of, about Mason's game last night? Well, as you guys know, I'm I'm a Plumley defender. I'm I'm not somebody who's like I I think that he has a role on this team as a backup to Jokic, and as we've seen with Jokic out, like he's been incredibly important. Like he's he's one of the one of the main catalysts for why this road trip has been positive, is just because he's been steady. Right. Like he hasn't he has been elite, but he's been steady and he's been able to keep the ship going while Jokic has been out and kind of create a, a pseudo Jokic personality on the offensive end. But on the defensive end, it's clear Mason's such a much better defensive player than Jokic right now. In right. in my opinion, like he he makes some mistakes. Sometimes he doesn't close out as hard as he should on shooters, and that was a big deal in the, uh, Jaylen in the Boston Brown. game right at the end. <laughs> but yeah. on yeah. on the other side of that, he was not getting bullied by Plumlet by by Cousins this game. Like after that forty and twenty two game, uh, a couple weeks ago, he came back and he did not give an inch to Cousins. Like it was a really, really big deal, and I'm I'm really, really glad to see that from him. Uh, he's right. he's somebody who's just shown how massively important he is, and this is just another example of that, in my opinion. Yeah, no, actually, absolutely. You know, I mean, obviously, the hard part about Plumlee is 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 the minutes crunch he gets in because you want to give so many minutes to Jokic now, but um, whether or not. You know, so whether or not he's worth it when you think of it in terms of like dollars per minute that you're paying this guy, uh, I, I can see the debate there. But but uh, but you're right though. When he's on the court, I mean, he's having an impact and he's he's helping the team to win games. And he is also backed up. You'll remember a few weeks back, um, he talked about he talked about uh, being more of a leader, being more of a vocal leader for this team. And I think you've seen that. I mean, I've seen one thing I noticed, and I think it was it was it was the Boston game. Was was that he really is kind of taking into a part of that role that Paul Millsap normally fills, which is quarterbacking the defense, right? Like I noticed this against Boston, him sitting back in the lane, uh, kind of you know he's the one, of course, closest to the rim, so he can see kind of everything that's going on in front of him, and 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 he's he's talking to guys, he's pointing to guys where they need to go. Um, he was doing that again last night when when going back to Torrey Craig. The only knock I had on Torrey early was that he he was a little bit getting a little bit confused on the defensive rotations. And I think at one time I saw him and Plumlee are both going over to a guy in one corner, and Plumlee just basically shoves him and says, "No, you need to go over to that corner um, and and cover the guy over there." Um, but that that's what he's doing for them now is is he's kind of kind of helping guide them and being more of a leader, um, which which props to him because when you come out to the media and and, and basically not even basically essentially throw the the leadership of the team under the bus and basically like nobody's doing this and so i'm gonna do it like props to him for stepping up um and taking that responsibility all right real quick here uh, before we go to the break i want to talk so i just want to talk about will barton and trey lyles because they were they were so huge 
in in that in that fourth quarter, and then Will Barton, eleven to thirteen points in the overtime. I mean, he basically and and it was really cool last night in the locker room. What Will said is he said, you know, um, a couple of guys. I think he mentioned Gary, uh, Darrell. Um, those guys came up to him and said, "Look, Will, you, you're the guy who's got to take us there. You're the guy who's got to bring this home for us." Um, and and he almost started getting a little bit emotional about it because he because he about how he was able to do it and how he was able to come through. Uh, for his team, you remember against the Indiana game, everybody was killing him because he didn't, um, you know, he kept he kept missing those shots down the down the down the, down the stretch, and and I almost, you know, I, I came to his defense because I think without Jokic and Millsap on the court, I, I tend to believe that Barton's probably the guy you want the ball in his hands um, at the end of games. And last night showed why, right? Because he gets 11 or 13 points. And then you have Trey Lyles, who, again, just in that, also in that Indiana game, I mean, he had a huge fourth quarter in that, that Indiana game. He has another huge fourth quarter um, in, in this game and really was the guy who kind of carried the offense uh, throughout that or a good portion of the fourth. Um, Dan, what do, you, what do you think about those guys? I mean, can we start are, – are they clutch guys? I mean, I think we can probably say Will's fairly clutch. But with, with Trey Lyles, I mean, is this a guy that they can start counting on more and more in the fourth quarter? I mean, with with how he's been playing, you're going to have to start calling them Quattro Lyles. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Bad. Oh, man. That, yeah. I got it. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Bad. Uh, that's how you prep for podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but, yeah, I think that – I think Will Barton's just ability to attack one-on-one as well is really important late in the fourth quarter. Um, and I, I know a lot of people want to see teams like run plays and have these, you know, very intricate offensive sets late in the game. But, like, honestly, dribbling the ball for 14 seconds, having a screen come up, and then playing off of that, or just letting, you know, the guy beat his man one-on-one off the dribble... That's the best offense late in the game because the clock is your enemy. And uh, right. Will Barton's just, he's able to get his shot off, and that's a really valuable skill in the NBA, and he's one of the few players in the Nuggets that can consistently do that. And he can finish so well at the rim that he's hes the guy that you want with the ball in his hands. Um, and with right. Trey Lyles, like, I think the way that the that Coach Malone is using him is, is really great because uh, he one of the strong points of his game is his face-up ability. Um, whether he's shooting up or beating people off the dribble. And when he's coming in against guys that have been, that have already played 30, 34 minutes in the game, and he's played like 16, 18 minutes, like he's going to be a lot more fresh than those guys. And that means that he's going to be able to tack them off the dribble and finish strong or, you know, run around the court. And, you know, just if, if someone's like, oh, I'm tired, I'm not going to take that extra step. And then Lyles is able to get off a three-pointer from the corner from the wing. Like that... That's really valuable, and so Lyles can really help, you know, space the floor and add a scoring element, as well as his impressive defensive rebounding. I think, um, just in that like first half of the fourth fourth quarter, and then he can give way to more defensive units or you know experienced players for that that final stretch. Right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's and and and, and you know, props to coach for for the way he's using him. I agree. He's. Um, He's been able to interject Trey into this lineup, uh, despite all these other things that are going on with Jokic and Millsap. He's been able to find a way to get Trey in there um, to make him the most effective, and and almost to the point to where now, like I said, he's, he's he's created a problem for himself because he has to play this guy. So for right now, it's not a big deal. But as Jokic starts to get more minutes, and then once of course Millsap comes back, then he's going to have to try and figure out how to continue to be able to find this. But um, but the way I, I agree, the way Coach has, has been using Trey is, um, has been really nice to see, and, and he's been rewarded for it because Trey's been playing excellent. Uh, Ryan, what about you, man? What are your thoughts on those two guys and, and their their clutchness? And also, what is your thought on Quattro Lyles? Because I, I, that's what uh, I really want to know. I'm, I'm going to tackle that first one right off, or that that last one right off the bat, and say that's a, that's a big no for me. Like we're not going with Quattro Lyles. <laughs> You're a hater. There is no way. I absolutely, and I hate it. <laughs> uh, but with Barton, like there were a lot of moments during the game yesterday where I was I was watching the game, watching what Barton was doing with the ball, and just saying no, 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 because there's there's just how how many times are you going to be able to dribble the ball out uh and then like 
basically punt on a possession until the other team comes back. And we, we actually did see them come back a little bit, but he had a, he had a lot of possessions where he, he would throw up a shot and I was a little bit uh, miffed that that shot was the one that they got and then it went in. And that happened a lot. I was, I was really surprised. He's just a great shot maker. Uh, he's somebody who, as I detailed a couple, a couple weeks ago, just in the, the overall guard scoring, like he's the only guy who consistently drives the ball and uh, with as many with as many minutes as he gets in comparison to some of the starting guards, like he he's a very important driver of the ball who's also been an incredible spot up shooter to, at this point. And so, I would love for them to be able to use both of those skills in crunch time, but if they if they need his driving scoring, then that's fine. With Lyles, he, he hit three of his threes at least in Anthony Davis's face, like all around the court. One one was at the top of the key, kind of coming off of a, a little bit of a dribble. Uh, the other was on the left wing, and that was a shot where I was like, why are you taking that? You're popping that so quickly, and of course he drains it. Then there's another one where he's running to the corner and then just pops it right in Anthony Davis's face again and hits that one. Like, we're seeing Trey Lyles, and maybe this is a Kentucky thing. Maybe this is something where he really just wanted to prove against a couple of Kentucky guys and in Davis and Cousins that he belongs and that he's somebody, hey, he's, he's right. one of those guys who's going to give them fits. But you look at his stat line, 19 points on 12 shots, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, only 1 turnover, He's been incredible in his decision making. Like he's like as one of the guys who drives the ball consistently on the second unit, like out of the face up. He's been turning the ball over so little. Like in and you'd expect a guy like that who's who's received a bump in minutes and a, a bump in role. You'd expect them to struggle a little bit, like handling the ball. He has not. He's he's been a guy who's made a lot of great decisions, and he had one bad decision yesterday where he kind of took an off the dribble three that was kind of out of his uh, range of possibilities I would say but other than that he's right. been awesome right that's a good point I mean he, he's playing within himself and, and and that's one of the things I think has is, is really been um, a kind of a revelation about him is how quickly he's been able to from a guy who wasn't playing at all um, to be able to just come in and start getting minutes and how quickly he's been able to figure out what his role is, how to play within within himself and within within the game plan um, to be effective. That, that That's impressive. And like you're saying, and also, I mean, just his whole body of work for a guy who was just coming off of the bench um, cold has been really impressive. Now, I mean, it's still a bit of a small sample size, and, and we got to see if he can maintain this. But, I mean, he's he's starting to string together quite a few uh, quite a few good games in a row. So there's... I think there's a lot of hope, man. I think I think he's um, he's looking like a good player, um, and I think he's a guy who now who now before when you were maybe like, well, I don't know what, you know, maybe he's just a guy who's just going to be here until his contract expires, and then he's going to move on. Uh, now you're starting to look at this guy because I mean he's still young. He's still um, what was he like 23 years old? I mean he's 22, so he's he's still a young guy. He's got plenty of time um, to become a a big part of this team in, in the future. So uh, good to see from Trey. Uh, always good to see from Will what he's doing. And, and, before, and a good way. Before uh, we move on there, uh, yeah. I think that this also spells kind of the end of Fareed's regular rotation time. Uh, Kenneth Fareed came in during that second quarter, and in my opinion, he was awful. Like he just no, he I agree. did not – he did not bring any defensive intensity whatsoever. He's not closing out on guys like Darius Miller and, and Dante Cunningham, and the only thing that they do is shoot threes. Like, are you kidding me? Right. Drew Holiday, who's one of the main creators right. on that team, you're not going to close out on him while he shoots threes? Are you kidding me? Like, right. he gets one rebound during that time? Really? Right. Yeah, and it was interesting last night because they brought in I, – I was writing this in the recap. You could tell that he was bringing in Freed for that stint because the team seemed so flat at that time that he was hoping he could – that you know Freed could maybe jumpstart him. Um, and they did get into a little bit of a groove there, offensively at least. But you're right. I mean, I, I thought his defense was atrocious last night, and it was it, it is more of the same as what we've seen from Freed on, on defense. And if you've got a guy like Lyles – who is who is you know I mean he's not going to give you the offensive rebounding and the high flying dunks 
that that Free does. But if he's going to be effective on offense like he is, and also going to be passable on defense way better than than Freed has been, then of course you're going to, you got to play him over Free. I mean, dunks and offensive rebounds are nice, but what Trey Lyles is giving you is way more, um, and, and and is given to you on both ends of the court. So I, I agree with that. It's going to be interesting to see with Freed, especially um, as you know once once Millsap gets back after the All Star break. Um, who knows? I mean, you know, you, you can speculate, and which which we'll get into here in, in, in the second half of the show. But um, you know, who knows if Free's even on the team at that point? But if he is, it, it's hard. If Trey is still playing like he's been playing, it's hard to justify giving Free minutes um, over Lyles. All right, so I'll tell you what, we are uh, we are already um, past our forty minute mark, so we're gonna hit this break. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna get into. Like I said, I had an article about some fake trades. I think Dan's got one that he wants to talk about as well. Um, so we're gonna get into that, and just guessing, we will probably not get into any uh, any of the Oklahoma City Thunder. So it is what it is. We'll just do a we will be happily preview of the OKC game. Quick there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back into the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am Zach Mikosh with DenverStiss.com. You are listening to Nothing But Net Radio, part of the Dash Radio Network. We're here with Ryan Blackburn, Daniel Lewis. We spent the first portion of the show talking about uh, the road trip and then the big win against against the Pelicans. And now I want to, since yesterday was December 15th, for, for those of you who don't know, December 15th is essentially the first day that most guys... Um, in the NBA can be traded. Basically, if a guy signs a contract uh, in in the off season, December fifteenth is the first day that then he is eligible to be traded. Um, there are a few exceptions, like Mason Plumlee is still not eligible for another month because he's got this really weird uh, weird rule about about him. But most well, for the most part, everybody leave. is now on the table. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It was, and it was. Uh, what is the exact rule I was I was trying to see on him, which is. Um, so his team is over the salary cap. Correct. In the first year of his new contract, Correct. and his contract is greater than 120% of the contract he had the prior season. Yes. Therefore, for whatever reason, that means he can't even be traded till January 15th. But um, other than that, other than those minor rules, which only affect a few guys here and there, and like and like Ryan was saying, the guys. So it's like it's like a, a restriction three months, I think, or. December 15th, whichever is later. So if guys who signed like right before the beginning of the year, um, so Richard Jefferson being a guy uh, who would be a good example of that, those guys are still not, still not going to be eligible um, until, until it's been three months since they signed. So the guys who signed real late uh, would still not be eligible. But I'm rambling here. The point being, pretty much everybody is, is is on the table at this point. So I wrote an article about it. I want to get into some of those fake trades. I want to get into some of these other, and then I want to get into Dan's trade. And we'll have to be pretty quick about it, unfortunately. But um, let's let's as as you guys continue to add to the rundown here, I notice. Um, so let's let's get into it quick. So this is <laughs> the first one that I I, I talked about. Um, I talked about this one. Uh, boy, I started talking with you guys privately about it. Uh, almost a month ago, Emmanuel Moutier for Devin Harris, straight up. And I think what's funny is if you had mentioned this like two years ago, people would have been you're like, "You're nuts um, to say that, that this would ever be something that 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 is a viable option." But to me, right now, it is. Like uh, Moutier, of course, is, is essentially a native of Dallas. Granted, he he um, was born in Africa, but he he came over as a very young child to Dallas and grew up there, uh, went to high school there. And, and, and so, to me, getting hit, Moutier is a guy who I think at this point, it's just not working uh, in Denver. And he needs a fresh start. What better place to get a fresh start than, than his hometown? Meanwhile, the Nuggets get a guy in Devin Harris, who's a veteran backup, um, who can provide some scoring to that second unit, uh, who, who basically will not turn the ball over at such a high rate that it hurts your team uh, in the way that Moutier does. Uh, Ryan, what do you think, man? Devin Harris for Emmanuel Moutier, is that something you would do? Uh, that is probably something I would not do, but I would do Devin Her- or I would do Moutier for JJ Barea, who is also on that team. Ugh. No, no, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, 
Why such hate? And I'll, I'll say this: it's entirely such hate. Well, because you don't it's, actually. Yeah, it's not related to his play person. at all. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to talk to JJ afterwards in the locker room and be like, "I just want to punch you in the face." <laughs> <laughs> no, I just have I have I have a personal just. I don't know what it is. There's just something about JJ Bridge. Just I remember me, the so. playoffs from the. First decade of the twenty of the of the century, so yeah, I don't want JJ Bray on the team. Jeez, he <laughs> was huge. So, so Dan, what about you, man? Would you be a Would you be a Devin Harris? Are you a pro, a proponent of the Devin Harris Emmanuel Mudiay trade? Um, if it went down, I'd be I'd be okay with it. I wouldn't be like buying a Devin Harris jersey. Um, but <laughs> I I think there are yeah. better trades that the Nuggets could try to find. I, I feel like Devin Harris is. He'd just be really a, a temporary stopgap, and I mean, with with how young Emmanuel Moody is, I mean, he's there's no two ways about it. Like he he's been bad, but he's still so young that there's the potential that he could become something greater. And I think that that has a little bit more value on the trade market than than just straight up for Devin Harris. <laughs> that that's fair. Um, I'm just at a point where it's just like I don't know. I, 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 I just feel feel like they need to move on. Um, and, and, and Dallas seemed like a good... Though I was talking to Matt Moore last night, and he was like, do you really think Dallas... He's like, Rick Carlisle, you think really think Rick Carlisle is going to be a good a good place for Moutier to go? Because he'll probably never get minutes as long as Rick is the coach. And I was like, yeah, that, that is... Yeah, next thing you know, Emmanuel would um, be eating hot dogs from the press room during halftime. <laughs> <laughs> With Maryland. <Yeah. laughs> Those two guys will be hanging out. All right. Um, I could go all day on this, but I want to. I want to keep going into getting next into trade. So the next one that next. I thought, the next trade, which was uh, Kenneth Fareed and a second round pick to the Brooklyn Nets for Damari Carroll. And the funny thing about this is, I don't necessarily think the Brooklyn Nets go for that um, because we all know Carroll got a huge contract after uh, performance in Atlanta. He didn't live up to it in Toronto. They do a straight up salary dump, pay uh, the Nets two picks to take that contract off of him. And then, you know, for this year, DeMar Carroll has, has been pretty solid. Not quite as good as he was in Atlanta, but he's been pretty darn solid um, and has been a good guy, especially on defense for them. Um, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily sure the Nets go for that deal because I don't necessarily know what they would see in Freed other than that he's, you know, Carroll was a straight-up salary dump. Okay, here you can add another second-round pick plus take another or take $1.7 million off of that salary dump you picked up because Freed's a little bit cheaper. I can see from that end, but I would I, to me for the Nuggets it's a no-brainer. Um, for the Nets it might be a little bit a little bit more difficult. Dan, what about you? Would you do you think that's a deal that could get done? And, and would you would you be for it? Again, it's it's one of those deals I could see happening. Uh, it would just pain me to see the Nuggets take on more salary for this season and next right. season. And I mean, right. Carol, Carol has been okay for Brooklyn, but like okay for Brooklyn is like. <laughs> like eleventh man in the Nuggets rotation, so I don't right. know if you can afford to pay your eleventh man like thirty million dollars for this season and the next season. And that is true. I mean, and it's the only reason it even comes close to to maybe being feasible is because you're also paying free to pretty you know you're paying him what twenty six million. So it's over the next two seasons. So you're it, it, you're trading one big salary for another one. Uh, both of guys who maybe uh, free to, like we've been saying, maybe probably is not going to be in the rotation at all. Carroll, I think, could probably definitely find a spot, um, unless Torrey Craig blows up. Um, but I think Carroll could definitely be your backup small forward. Um, so I, I think it's there, but but you're right. I mean, it, it could happen. Is it, it's not a world beater by any means, though. Uh, Ryan, what about you on the, on, on the Fareed Carroll deal? Well, Carroll certainly fits better, that's for sure. Uh, I, I, if, if the, I mean, this is definitely something that the Nuggets should be considering, like, bar none. Like, if, especially if they're not going to be big players in free agency in 2018, uh, Carroll would be a great guy to have as somebody who's, (laughs) who's a veteran presence. Uh, yeah, they're not. Like, they, they just don't have the money to do so. Uh, Carroll would be a good guy to have for next year as well if if they are unable to keep will barton or wilson chandler um that's a really because good he could he could either a step in into the small forward role or he could be just kind of the backup wing that kind of bridges the gap between the second unit and the first unit and just kind of stabilizes right. things um oh you're good no, I was going to say, so the other thing I was going to say about just real quick on that is also he also, stepping in for Wilson, he can play that power forward role as well. 
Um, so he 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 is a nice uh, he is kind of a nice parallel there. Definitely not as not as effective as Wilson typically is uh, this season, notwithstanding. Um, but it is what it is. All right, so I want to move on again. And so now this is one that I think Dan just brought up. Uh, so Tyler Johnson and Justice Winslow of the Heat for Juancho Hernan Gomez uh, and Emmanuel Mudiay. You know, I, the thing I think that would that would kill people on this trade is is a lot of people still think that you know or still have holdout for hope for Juancho, and I do too. Uh, you know, I think Juancho, like we said, is kind of going through just some health st- stuff still. Um, but the interesting about that is, so you get Tyler Johnson, who who's a head and shoulders better, a better point guard than Emmanuel Mudiay. Again, another guy who's not going to just kill your team anytime he comes onto the court. Um, and then you get Justice Winslow, who, <laughs> despite his his terrible workout here pre-draft um, <laughs> and, and his his claims about the altitude, uh, yeah. you know he, he's a guy though though he can be. He, we've been talking a lot about that that defensive wing that the Nuggets need. There's a guy who could do it for you. Um, Perfectly, and another guy who has still has a ton of upside, um, who the Nuggets were very high on when he was drafted, very much like Trey Lyles. So he could he could definitely be one of those guys. Um, Dan, Dan, what were your thoughts on this trade? So yeah, this is the one that I wrote in for, uh, for us to talk about on the podcast. But it's one that I think that the it's a trade that would benefit the Nuggets because they'd be getting a, a solid backup in Tyler Johnson, who a player who can run the point. He's playing twenty seven minutes a game for the Heat right now. Um, and, he, and he wouldn't be a player that would be a threat to start over Jamal Murray at point. Um, and then also you're taking a gamble on Justice Winslow, who who has struggled um, to start his career, but kind of has defensive chops, and you, you just hope turns into a little bit more of a, a consistent role player. Um, kind of Maybe kind of with Moody as well, just like a change of scenery really helps him out. But for the Heat, right. um, they're a team that kind of struggles to, like, Space the floor. They're, they shoot a lot of threes, but you know they're really built around Hassan Whiteside and Goran Dragic. And I think putting right. Rancho Hernandez Gomez as a, a backup power forward behind uh, James Johnson, and then also somebody that could play a little bit of small forward for them. You know, and he's when he's really healthy, like he's a thirty-five to forty percent three-point shooter, and he can rebound pretty well. I think that he would play really well against Hassan Whiteside, and I think that he would be um, really encouraged. By the, the idea of acquiring someone like Wancho, and I, I unfortunately, you know, including Wancho, it would hurt a little bit for the Nuggets, but hopefully, it makes a big enough difference getting Tyler Johnson and Justice Winslow to offset that, and then you give Moody a chance to start over, and the Heat can kind of take a gamble that, you know, that Eric Spolstra and the Heat's training staff can, can help get his conditioning up, and help improve his uh, his basketball IQ and feel for the game. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That that is Miami is a good place. Uh, would be a good landing spot uh, for Moody. Uh, definitely, I, I would agree with that. Um, it's interesting to see because and Miami is an interesting team because they're not necessarily you know they're not obviously they're not considered title contenders. So they can um, they're, they're I mean they're fighting for the playoffs. They're they're right in that mix right towards the back end of the of the playoff contention right now. But they're they're a team who can take a gamble on like on on Moody and yeah, if it works out, it works out. And if not, you know. You you still got plenty of other other guys uh, that that you can depend on moving forward. All right, Ryan, real quick, let me get get your thoughts on that trade. Uh, I think it's a good one. I definitely think uh, the only concern would be money down the line because Tyler Johnson has this funky contract where he he's making like six million for last year and this year, and then he's like right. making something like nineteen nineteen million in the next two years. So, like nineteen million for a backup point guard at that point. That's that's pretty difficult and uh that would be something right. that if you're if you're worried about the money of retaining a guy like Nikola Jokic, then you can't do that deal because that's just that's that's money that they can't have on their books at that point. However, uh if again if you're if you're looking for a replacement for Will Barton and you're looking for somebody who, instead of giving that money to Will Barton and trying to upgrade that rotation, you can play Tyler Johnson as as kind of the 25 minute per game bench guard role. Then that could be another option. So, right, uh, Justice Winslow again is also a ceiling play. He's he's got a low floor right now, obviously, but I could definitely see him as a as a small forward of the future candidate. Yeah, absolutely, and I would agree. Um, all right, we wanted to get to Mike Connolly and, and George Hill, but we're just not going to because uh, we're out of time. So uh, check out my article if you want to kind of see my thoughts on the Mike Connolly trade. Check out – Ryan wrote an article um, last week, I believe it was, about George Hill and, and some trade options. 
um, for him. So you can check that as well out on denversys.com to kind of get our ideas on that. Um, all right, so I am uh, I am on Twitter at Zach Mikosh, uh, as I said at NBN Dash Radio at Denver Stiffs. Ryan is the only Blackburn reporting on the NBA. He is at NBA Blackburn. Dan is still upset about not getting into UMass. He's at Minuteman Dan. And <laughs> with that said, we will talk to you guys next week. Hi, I'm Susan from Safeway. Are you ready for a road trip? You can save on gas by shopping at Safeway. It's easy. Shop at Safeway and earn gas reward points. Then save up to 20 cents per gallon at participating Chevron or Texaco stations or up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations. That's right, up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations just for shopping with us. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Limited to 25 gallons in a single fill-up. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. Visit store or Safeway.com for details. This is Susan from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.